Welcome back to Return to Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Clint Curry. If you haven't yet listened to our previous podcast episode, please make sure you go back and give it a listen. It's called The Lying Tongue, episode 18 on Return to Truth. If this is your first time here, thank you so much for joining me today. If you've been here before, well, I appreciate your continued loyalty to the truth and for coming back for more. To get you up to speed on where we are at, the past nine episodes, we have been discussing the Ten Commandments. We have been in a way deep diving from a high level into each one, touching the very surface of God's holy law. If you haven't yet, I encourage you to go back and listen to episode nine, Trust and Obey, to fully understand why we keep the commandments of God. Not to be saved, but because we are saved. As always, before we begin any episode, we need to ask God to guide us into a better understanding of His Word. So with that said, let's start off with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for all that you have given us. Thank you for breathing into us the breath of life, for waking us up again, for every material and non-material blessing that we have. But most of all, Lord, we thank you for your Son, Jesus allowing him to take the cup. Help us now to open our hearts as we read through your word. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. This is our last episode dealing with the Ten Commandments. So without further ado, coming up right now is commandment number 10. The title of today's episode is Never Enough. Exodus chapter 20 verse 17 reads this, You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. So let's begin. Jealousy, envy, greed, all of it is encompassed in this one word, covetousness. And all of that stemming from selfishness. I want, I need, I can't live without give me this, give me that, I wish this, I wish that, all self-centered, all designed to keep you in a state of unhappiness. It's never enough. It's never good enough, it seems. It is said that the Tenth Commandment reminds us that all sin begins in our hearts. This commandment specifically talks about being content with what you have, in all things. Nothing less, nothing more taking what you get and thanking God in the process. Even in our moments of grief, despair, and trials, we still need to praise God's name for all that comes our way, no matter how hard it gets. Put away the complaining, bitterness, moaning, and whining, and put on the Spirit of Christ. Whether you are on the mountaintop or in the valley, God will see you through. Remember what the Apostle Paul said in Thessalonians 5, 17-18. He says, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Give thanks. Seems so simple and yet so difficult at the same time. This world in its current state and our fleshly, carnal bodies living therein yearns for the things which we cannot possess in order to obtain fleeting happiness of only for a moment. Coveting is another form of being ungrateful for what God has really given you. We read in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3, where it says, But fornication and all uncleanliness or covetousness 
let it not even be named among you, as is fitting for saints. As saints of God, born-again Christians, Paul is saying, let it not even be a part of you. In other words, let not even a single part of it be found within your character of who you are to reflect, which is Christ. So let us put on the garments of saints, these garments enrobed in the blood of Jesus, as that alone is what is fitting for us as saints. Covetousness isn't a good look for saints, now is it? For a moment, let's dig a bit deeper into this topic and look at an example from the scriptures. Luke chapter 12, verse 13, we read where Jesus was out and about teaching and speaking to those around him. But then from the crowd, a man yelled out loud to him, probably at the top of his lungs, saying, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Obviously, this man wanted to get Jesus' attention. He felt he needed some form of assistance on the matter. He also felt he needed more than what he already had. Jesus responds in a way that does not condemn the man or calls out the man in his sin, but instead directs his teachings in a different direction. So what exactly did Jesus hear in all of this that was said from the man? One word only comes to mind, and that is covetousness. Jesus saw much more than the man did and knew exactly where it would lead him should he continue down that path. Jesus knew that life consists of much more than the abundance of things. In Luke chapter 12, verses 15 through 21, he says this, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentiful. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. I believe Jesus' response was more than warranted here. You see, Jesus understood just how spiritually threatening earthly wealth and possessions was to the man, but even more so to all of us too. He knew this would carry on. This really stretches out to every single person across the world and through history, as it can lay hold of your very own salvation. With that said, he gave us all a lasting warning, and that is to be aware and on guard against all types of covetousness, including jealousy, envy, and greed, all of which that surrounds this parable at the core of it. We have all heard this next one before, but how true it really is. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10 says this, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Let's break this verse down a bit. It's not money in itself that's the problem here. But what we see here is the love of money. Money is not evil, but the love or desire is. 
A desire to have what is not ours can lead into an obsession that can destroy us. And this extends into all areas of our lives besides wealth. When we obsess and even desire what our neighbor has, it sets up idols that take hold of the rightful place of God. In a way, this sin, this commandment, is double-edged in the fact that you are in reality breaking both the first and the last commandment. It's interesting how that's set up, isn't it? First with idolatry, and the last with covetousness. If we are careful, it will in fact devour us. And all we will be left with is nothing more than our very own sin of coveting. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says this, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Let's read through some more commentary on this one. The last commandment condemns covetousness. Every selfish desire, every degree of discontent, every act of overreaching, Every selfish gratification works to the strengthening and which developing of a character which will destroy the Christ-likeness of the human agent and close the gates of the city of God against him. The Tenth Commandment strikes at the very root of all sins, prohibiting the selfish desire from which springs the sinful act. He who is in obedience to God's law refrains from indulging even a sinful desire for that which belongs to another, will not be guilty of an act of wrong towards its fellow creature. With that commentary in mind, let's look further into another story, another person of the Bible that fell into this trap of covetousness. Or should I say, angel that is. In Ezekiel chapter 28 verse 15 we read, you were perfect in your ways from the day you were created, till iniquity was found in you. And in Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 14, we read, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning! How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations! For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest side of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Did Lucifer desire to take the place of God? Did he covet God's position? Yes, he did. What is the reason for the fall of Lucifer here? It was, in fact, covetousness that led to the fall of Lucifer which ultimately led to the fall of man. Why do you think Lucifer acted in this way? We see here in this verse these two words repeated over and over again that point to this. And these words are, I will. Five times we hear these words, I will ascend, I will exalt, I will take the place, I will sit, I will be like. It all starts with a seed of selfishness. And then that turns into a desire to have what is not yours, which then turns into a lust for things which you can't have, and then turns into a sin of covetousness, which then becomes the ultimate sin of his own demise. There is a quote that says, The secret of happiness is to admire without desire. It's the desire part that will corrupt and destroy. The desire to have what is not yours can leave you without. In the end, you really become worse off than what you already were. 
Another perfect example of this can yet again be found in the Bible. You know, it amazes me. The Bible can teach us so many things if we are just willing to read it. Everything that we are going through in this life is in this book. God has it already laid out for us. Take a look at King David. He took Uriah's wife Bathsheba for his very own. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verses 2 reads this, Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful to behold. So what did David see? He saw her beauty, but failed to see the beauty of God. He saw only a want, a desire to complete his collection. With coveting, it's never enough to just have something. You have to have it all. With that said, what happened? He ended up getting her pregnant and trying to cover it up. He put Uriah, her husband, in the front lines of the battle in his army in hopes that he would get killed in order to hide what he had done. And as we read into this farther, because of that, we see Uriah does, in fact, die. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verses 14-15 through 15 reads this, In the morning it happened that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. And he wrote in the letter, saying, Set Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle, and retreat from him, that he may be struck down and die. Okay. So listen to what happens next. Nathan, a judge, comes in to talk to David. And here is where we read in 2 Samuel chapter 12, Then the Lord sent Nathan to David. And he came to him, and he said to him, The rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little lamb, which he had brought up and nourished. And it grew up together with him and with his children. It ate of his own food and drank from his own cup and lay in his bosom. And it was like a daughter to him. And a traveler came to the rich man, who refused to take from his own flock and from his own herd to prepare one for the wayfaring man who had come to him. But he instead took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. So David's anger was greatly aroused against the man. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, the man who has done this shall surely die. And he shall restore fourfold for the lamb, because he did this thing and because he had no pity. Then Nathan, of course, said this, David, you are the man. We see here it was David's covetousness that led him into the sin against God. And now look how it spiraled downward into a pit of despair and iniquity. It all started with a single desire for something that wasn't his, a look of lust from the eyes. Then came adultery, then came deception, and plans of deceit, and finally it ended in murder, not only of Uriah, but also the son that was just born of Bathsheba. All of this because of covetousness. Coveting can lead to murder. Yes, you heard it right, and it's true. It happens all the time, actually, and not just in the Bible. This recent headline from NBC says it all. Utah mom accused of killing husband with fentanyl in a drink who poisoned him. All this and for what? What are we left with here? Death, misery, and a life sentence, physically and spiritually, 
if you don't find the truth before it's too late. You know, what's horrible is we do this to ourselves. The world is pushing for it. Even our own flesh and blood. Just go back and listen to episode 15 and you'll see what I mean. It's an I want freedom from responsibility. I want freedom from motherhood because this is what the world is teaching us. But if they only knew that God the Creator had a plan and that yes, even the unborn child is made in His image. Coveting, ungrateful, irresponsible, and destructive. It's a shame, really, to see the chaos and paths of destruction we leave behind when we don't stay on the path of light, the path that God has called us to follow. Satan has his hands in everything, always waiting, always watching for you to make that first move. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 5 through 7 says this, For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. You know, another huge problem we find ourselves sinking into with coveting is an increasingly high amount of debt. Massive amounts of crippling debt, all because we are not happy in the things that actually matter the most. All because our eyes are fixed on the wrong things. Some statistics on this say that American household debt hit a record $16.9 trillion at the end of 2022. That's up $2.7 trillion since 2019, according to the Federal Reserve. Americans' total credit card balance is $986 billion in the fourth quarter of 2022, according to the latest consumer debt data from the Federal Reserve Bank. The average American holds a debt balance of $96,371, according to 2021 Experian data, the latest data available. Worst of all, over the past 100 years, the U.S. federal debt has increased from $408 billion in 1922 to $30.93 trillion in 2022. Wow, that's just ridiculous. The worst part is the fact that our country enables it, constantly pushing it in your face. The other day I checked my email and I saw that my credit card company increased my limit for no reason at all and without my request. Just a, hey, here you go, enjoy. You know what my words are to that? Get behind me, Satan. Am I right? Last thing I need is a higher limit. So we see ourselves with things we can't afford and charge ourselves into debt to own them. But in reality, we never really own them anyways. They, in fact, own us. Simply put, coveting can bring forth financial hardship and can cause a state of brokenness. We can't help ourselves, can we? We must have, so we buy, trying to fill a void that, to be quite honest with you, only one thing and one thing alone can fill, and that's Jesus. Looking back at all of the commandments that we have went through over the past 10 weeks, line by line and verse by verse, example after example, I ask these questions. Wouldn't it just be easier to keep them? Wouldn't it just be better all around to just do what God commanded us to do in the first place? Think about it. What would the world be like if we just followed God's holy law? How perfect would it be? 
I mean, don't you think that God knows what he's doing? He knows a lot more than we think. You know, there's a reason the commandments exist. They are guardrails to keep you from going over the edge. They are a moral compass that always points you home, the correct direction back to where you once were, in the safety of your Creator and King. I want to emphasize a bit more on this point that I've touched on in previous episodes. Obedience to God is a symptom of salvation. It's a reaction to His action of love. You are saved only through Christ, but out of love for Christ, you will show it in your actions that you are changed, born again. You will want to love Him more. John 3, verse 3 reads this, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Those who are born again, truly born again, will do all they can to keep God in the front of every action in their lives, because God's happiness is theirs. So with all that said, I will end out this episode with this quote. Covetousness is the greatest misfortune. One who does not know what is enough will never have enough. You can't take any of it with you, but you can take Jesus with you. That's all for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. We have so much more coming your way. You can find Return to Truth on many different podcast apps. Just search Return to Truth and look for the logo. Make sure to follow this podcast channel on any of those apps or websites to stay up to date. Don't forget to then comment and rate because we want to hear from you. And please share this podcast as much as you can to everybody you know. New episodes are dropping every single Monday. So remember to stay tuned for our next episode as we return to truth.